Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob Podcast. I am taping this. It is Thursday morning. I am in Louisville. I'm in my hotel room. I flew with the Creighton basketball team to Louisville yesterday. Been watching some some films, studying up on Princeton, and I got a Creighton Princeton preview for you. So let's get to it. Sweet 16. It's the Tigers and the Blue Jays. Princeton, they're the 15th seed. And if you didn't know, they beat Arizona in a grinder of a game, 59 to 55. Uh, Arizona was the two seed and then went on to beat the seven seeded Missouri Tigers and really dominated Missouri. Beat them 78, 63, got up 14 points in the first half. Uh, At one point, they were up 21 points with about four minutes left in the game. Princeton shot it well in that game. They made 12 threes and really just controlled it from start to finish. Couple of things with with Princeton, just for you guys to kind of speed date and get to know uh, the Princeton Tigers. They they actually didn't win the Ivy League regular season crown. Yale did. Yale and Princeton both finished with the same conference record, but Yale swept Princeton Princeton in the regular season. But then Princeton beat Yale in the Ivy League tournament championship game. Uh, you look at Princeton, they don't really have a signature big-time quality non-conference win. Princeton finished the regular season with a net ranking of 111. They had zero Quadrant 1 wins. And I lay all all that out from a broad sense to just kind of set the table that this Princeton team was a 15 seed for a reason. This isn't like, you know, they got screwed on their seed or, or anything like that. Which makes it all that much more amazing that Princeton was able to go out and and do what it did, do what they did in the first and second round of the of the NCAA tournament. Again, beat two seeded Arizona, out rebounded Arizona, held a top ten Ken Palm offense to fifty five points. But what's amazing is you watch that game. I kind of I was watched it live, and then I rewatched it on the flight, and it honestly felt like Princeton didn't even play that well. Usually, you know, you see these kinds of upsets, and it seems like you know, the 15 seed or the 14 seed or, or you know, we've seen the 16 seed now topple a one twice that like these teams, the, those kinds of teams are playing great. I didn't feel like Princeton played that well. Now, Arizona didn't play well either, but I, I, I didn't feel like Arizona was or Princeton was just rolling or anything like that. Now, at one point, Arizona got up by like 10 or so, and then they just had a, it was one of those things where they had a, a, a three or four minute stretch where they kind of went to sleep and all of a sudden, Princeton battled their way back in the game. And as we've seen before, like all of a sudden when you get to that five-minute mark, six-minute mark, and it's a one-possession game, the pendulum of pressure swings big time to the higher-seeded team, or the, the lower-seeded team, whatever you, however you want to phrase it, to Arizona in this instance. But then they, they turn around, they beat a good Arizona team, they turn around and dominate Missouri, handled their full-court pressure, out-rebounded Missouri, made 12 threes in this game, and you know, think about with Missouri, they only their only lead in this game was when it was three to two with two minutes into the game. Incredible. 
in total in the two games, they out-rebounded Missouri and Arizona 82-67. to So I'll get into some rebounding stuff in a little bit, but incredible. I will say this, watching, watching film on Princeton, I've watched three and a half games probably now, a um, few broad things, and then I'll kind of get specific. They don't wow me with raw talent when I, when I turn on the film. Like, they don't have a pro or anything like that. This isn't a C.J. McCollum at Lehigh or Damian Lillard at Weber State type of situation with they got one player on their roster that's just like, oh, my God, this guy's a pro. And all. No. They're, they're not the biggest team in the world. They're not the most athletic team in the world. So if you're a Creighton fan and you're listening to me say all that, you may think, okay, well, geez, Nick, 15 seed, Ivy League, didn't even win the regular season title. You aren't wowed by their talent. This game's going to be easy, right? And to that, I'd say, just slow down. Slow down. This Princeton team is unique and different enough to give Creighton some major problems. Princeton, this team is different. They are different than any team Creighton has seen this year. I'm really trying to rack my brain and think about like all of Creighton's opponents, and and I'm I don't think I can find a single opponent that is similar to Princeton. Now they have like maybe certain personnel people. They're like, oh, this guy's kind of like that. But in the totality of how Princeton wants to play and how they're going to kind of attack Creighton is very different than anything Creighton's seen this year. Princeton's four-man, Tosan Awoma, is their best player. He's a 6'8 forward. He leads the team in assists, about five assists per game. He initiates a lot of their action as a 6'8 four-man. He's kind of like their point forward. He was the Ivy League player of the year last year, so that's a unique matchup. Princeton, oddly enough, runs some Princeton-type action meaning it's a lot of action away from the ball. A lot of backdoor cuts, a lot of flares, a lot of pin downs. There's not a lot of ball screens that in, in Princeton's offense, which was like 99% of what Baylor and NC State did and is, is what most teams do a ton of nowadays. So Princeton is unique in that regard. I've always, I've always kind of felt like, the Princeton offense, like wrinkles of the Princeton offense, is kind of like option football in in college football. That the Princeton offense is that in basketball. It's unique. You don't see it a lot. It's kind of tough to prepare for. So they're unique in that regard. Now it's not a full blown Princeton offense, but there, there's some Princeton principles, and they do some actions with it. So that so unique. Defensively, Princeton's going to trap the post. Because they're, they're a little undersized and they'll play some small ball lineups. They tend to want to really protect the paint and trap the post. That's a little unique because Ryan Kalkbrenner hasn't gotten trapped a ton this year. And lastly, Princeton is, will play some small ball. They'll start the game conventionally with a true five-man, Keyshawn Kelman. He's a 6'9 center. He hasn't attempted a three all year. He's a, he's a five-man. But they like then to sub and play four shooters around that four-man I was telling you about, Awoma. And that lineup 
is challenging, and it really concerns me because I'm not sure when that lineup's on the floor, the, the small ball lineup for Princeton, I'm not sure who Kalkbrenner guards in that lineup. So, the key word being unique, as I'm kind of laying all this out, their small ball lineup is unique. So, from a broad sense, that's kind of a snapshot for, for Princeton, yes, they, they are a 15 seed that isn't uber talented, but they are unique and different enough to present some major challenges for Creighton. So let's get now, let's dive more into this matchup in this game specifically. First of all, I was, I was thinking about this the more I watch film. Given everything I just said in terms of Princeton being unique, if this was a drinking game and you had to take a shot every time I said unique, you'd be hammered by now. <laughs> So, given everything I just said about Princeton and them being unique, I think having a week to prepare for Princeton is really good for Creighton. This is the kind of team that on a short prep, a one-day prep, is challenging because they're a little different. That's the one, that's one of the good things about last weekend for Creighton was how similar the two teams were that Creighton saw, NC State and Baylor. Guard-led, three-point centric, got to guard the three-point line, lots of ball screens, et cetera, et cetera. Very similar points of emphasis for both teams. Very similar teams. Made the preparation relatively simple from the after the NC State, NC State game to Baylor. But Princeton is different, man. So the week, the week of prep, I think, is huge given this matchup and how Princeton is built. And also, Greg McDermott mentioned this in his media session earlier this week. But Creighton having played Arizona and lost to Arizona, I think is a good thing for this matchup. And what I mean is, so obviously Creighton has a common opponent with Princeton in Arizona. Creighton couldn't hold Arizona to under 80 points and lost to them. Princeton held Arizona to 55 points and beat them. I think that helps making sure that, that you know, Creighton, Princeton has Creighton's full attention. Because all you got to do if, if you have some players that want to, you know, roll their eyes, like, okay, got it, Ivy League team, whatever, or they're, you know, they take, just naturally take them a little lightly. You can just say, hey, listen, man, Princeton beat your ass, and they beat, or Arizona beat your ass, put 81 on you, Princeton beat them. You guys were on the floor with Arizona. You saw the athletes. You saw the size. They out-rebounded Arizona. You better, you better get ready to play. Anything to help lock you in is a good thing. Anything. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. You know, there are a lot of ways to, to greet someone. Hey, hi, hello, what's up? Another way is, what's popping? Well, here's the thing. That greeting has taken on a new meaning now because the answer to what's popping is now Runza's new popcorn chicken. That's what's popping. Runza's new popcorn chicken is amazing. Little, bite-sized, delicious all white meat chicken that make any day better immediately. I love them. My wife loves them. My kids cannot get enough. Two-year-old Mac, six-year-old Mava are constantly wanting to get it popping. 
Great for a snack, great for a meal. Pair them with the best crinkle fries on planet Earth, and you are set. All I got to say is you need to get out to a Runza location nearest you and get it popping. What's so hard to understand about that? Get it popping with Runza's all-new popcorn chicken. Runza makes it all better. And then the last thought along those lines is I also think having a week to let the celebration subside for Creighton is good and can allow them to really refocus on Princeton and not take them lightly because I kind of think Missouri had all that I just talked about working against them. Short prep probably didn't work on them at all because they assumed they were going to see Arizona if they won. It probably took them a little lightly because they were 15 seed Ivy League school because it kind of seemed like Missouri just kind of rolled the ball out there and was like, all right, come on. Here we go. And then sometimes, I don't know, so I'm curious. I'm always, I'm always interested what maybe some of the Cinderella, that week in between the, the first round and the second round, do you get a little fat and happy with everybody patting you on the back and telling you how great you are? Does that, does that kind of erode your focus a little bit? I don't know. Either way, I like the week of prep a lot, given a lot of these different factors. Creighton's had time to prepare for the unique and different style. I think Creighton's had time to make sure they're totally locked in and focused because that common opponent helps in Arizona, helps to provide a point of reference for the players for Princeton to command their attention and respect. Okay, so when you look at this game, you kind of, I, I don't know. I mean, I wrote down a bunch of different things. How many things are I down? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. About eight things. Uh, on keys or determining factors or points of emphasis or concerns or whatever you want to call it. Number one, Creighton guarding Tosan Awoma. That's Princeton's best player. Big concern for me. Six eight four man who can play that small ball five. I told you he leads the team in scoring. He leads the team in assists. He was Ivy League player of the year last year. First team all Ivy League this year. He's got 149 assists on the season. He initiates offense. He creates offense. They'll post him up. They'll do different things for him. But he's not a three-point shooter. That's the one good thing. Awoma's only nine for 30 from three on the season. So you can kind of play off him. But slowing Awoma down is huge. He gets the ball oftentimes at the high post or right in the middle of the floor, and he's making reads with back doors. Like, think a little bit of like Derek Walker type stuff, which I know a lot of Creighton fans would, oh, God, because Walker kind of ate up Creighton. But he th- think like middle of the floor – Action on both sides. He's kind of reading, reacting, and passing and making plays. But also what he's doing is sometimes he gets the ball in the middle of the floor. There's action on both sides, and he's got the whole middle of the floor to isolate and drive you. They do a lot of stuff where it's window dressing to occupy the help defense, and Awoma's just putting it on the deck and driving it at 6'8 as a four-man. They'll also post him up as well. I actually think in watching some games when they need a basket, like when they get in a tough spot and they're like, okay, we need a good possession, they, they, love, to, they love to bring him down and set a cross screen for him and he oftentimes gets the ball on that, that left block is where he likes it. 
So they'll post him too. But you got to slow him down. I mean, he is, he's got two times as many assists. He's got double as many assists as the next closest guy on the team. So, you know, he's got 149 assists on the season. Next closest is like someone, Caden Pierce has 50, or Matt Alaco has, has about, or about 60, excuse me. So that's, that's a concern. The, the other, number two, in terms of concerns, keys, points, emphasis, whatever, lineups and matchups in this game. I, have, I think you can tell by what I've been talking about, I am very scared of Princeton's small lineup for Creighton. When they put Awoma at the five and they put four shooters around them, they're really hard to guard. They really spread you out because you got to stay attached to the three-point line. Oftentimes, the only dude you can maybe play off of is Awoma. But the small ball lineup is concerning because I'm not, I'm sitting here racking my brain, I'm watching film, and I'm really trying to figure out who Ryan Kalkbrenner guards in this lineup. I'm not sure. I suppose you can put him on a Woma, but I worry about Kalkbrenner's lateral mobility guarding him. Kalkbrenner's the defensive player of the year, but he's better, you know, with guys right in front of him contesting using his length. He's not necessarily a guy that wants to kind of move laterally. He's not incapable of it, but that's not necessarily his strength defensively. So I'm not I am not sure matchup wise who Kalkbrenner guards when Princeton goes small. So the small ball lineup's concerning. I hope, for Creighton's sake, Princeton plays their true five-man, Kelman, number 32 for people that are going to be watching. I hope they play him a ton. I am Team Kelman. I am going to call Mitch Henderson and just say, hey, I think you should play Kelman like the whole game. He's attempted zero threes on the season. It's a really good matchup for Kalkbrenner. They're going to then be able to do what they usually do, they being Creighton, like play Kalkbrenner in the lane, all that stuff. So that that is a concern. I am worried about that. Which, which kind of leads me to key number three, point emphasis number three, whatever. And that is Arthur Kaluma. I think Kaluma is massively important in this game. This is a huge game for Arthur Kaluma because I think there's a chance that Kaluma is the matchup for Awoma, Princeton's best player. When I, when I look down Creighton's roster and I'm looking at Awoma and I'm thinking about how they're going to play, I'm like, I think Kaluma's the best suited to guard Awoma. So Kaluma needs to be ready to rock. Kaluma's got to be ready to fight dribble penetration with Awoma. He's got to be ready to fight post-ups with Awoma when he gets into the block. Kaluma needs to be ready defensively in this game. Because I could also see this game. It's one of the first things I wrote down in my notes when I started watching film. I could see this, this game this specific matchup being one where instead of playing Fred King at the backup five, you play Kaluma at the backup five. I could see this being a game that Frederick King doesn't play. That's just me. I I think Kaluma playing 
the small ball five is a good counter to Princeton's small ball lineup. Now, to be careful and to be clear, you can't let Princeton sub Kalkbrenner out of the game. You can't let Princeton say, well, okay, if we just play this lineup, they're going to take their best player off the floor the whole game. Great, we'll just play this lineup. Can't let them do that. And I'm certainly not suggesting that. But what I am suggesting is I think matching the small ball lineup with with Creighton's small ball lineup, a.k.a. Kaluma at the five, I think is a good move. So this game, Kaluma can't get into foul trouble. Kaluma needs to be ready to rock defensively. Kaluma needs to be ready to play multiple positions, the four and the five. I think this game where Kaluma could, if, if it were me, I think Kaluma's minutes are going to be, Kaluma better be getting hydrated right now, getting some rest. Like Kaluma's going to play. I think Kaluma could play quite a bit in this game. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go onto Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Because, again, I think he's likely to match up for Princeton's best player, Awoma, and I think they could you could see some small ball for Creighton at the five. That's just me. I don't know that. And then on offense, I think Princeton is going to defend Creighton like they did at Arizona. Where, uh, so Arizona, you got Azulis Tubelis and Umar Ballo at the four and the five, and those guys are really good in inside. And obviously Princeton doubled the post, but what they really like to do is they played way off of Tubelis, their four-man, and kind of helped plug the lane – and plug things up. And that's I assume that's how they're going to defend Arthur Kaluma. So Kaluma's got to be able to be effective offensively given how they're guarding him as well. Maybe knock down a few threes. Don't just jack threes. But going to have to n- n- take a few and hopefully make a few to make them pay for how they're sagging off you. And then playing you know off double teams as well, off Kalkbrenner could be you know, is important because oftentimes they're doubling off the big, which is would be Kaluma in, in the conventional lineup. And you never know along these lines, like Mason Miller, hopefully, I could also see a world where Creighton throws Mason Miller in there for Kaluma offensively to really put a big-time three-point shooter at the four, and now you can't sag off of him. So the the time so Mason Miller hopefully his ankle is progressing okay because Mason Miller is also a decent option when you give maybe if you give Kaluma a spell give him a blow give him a give him a quick breather maybe Mason Miller comes in there and tries to make when you if you're making an offensive minded sub Mason Miller comes in there and now when they're sagging way off of him he's gonna line up and shoot threes but to tie back to Kaluma really big game for Kaluma in my opinion. 
Next key or concern or point of emphasis is Ryan Kalkbrenner handling those post double teams. Kalkbrenner has is going to get doubled likely on every post up. Kalkbrenner has gotten has not gotten doubled a lot this year. So Kalkbrenner handling the double teams is going to be important for the Blue Jays because if Creighton if they if Kalkbrenner handles those they're they're, they're going to get open shots. You know you throw it out of the double team and you space the floor correctly like you you're playing four on three. And you're going to be able to probably kind of move the ball into a, an open shot. Next key or point of emphasis or, or concern is just the three-point line. I think the three-point line is going to be in really important again. What's interesting is you know Princeton, percentage-wise, actually isn't that great of a three-point shooting team. They're, they're only about 33% three-point as a team, which is 201st in the country. But they are really capable. And they have a ton of guys that can make them. Again, Princeton made 12 threes against Missouri. And they have a handful of guys that I'll, I'll kind of go down their roster in a little bit here. But they Princeton has a handful of guys where like, you know, like 90% of their shots are threes or 80% of their shots are threes or 62% of their shots are threes. So they have a lot of guys where like the three-point shot is like all they do or basically the lion's share of what they do. But again, they're not a great... In total, they're not a great three-point shooting team as a group, but they're really capable. They can have games where they go off like they did against Missouri. So I feel like it's going to... For me, when I watch this game, I'm like, I just feel like it's going to take a a pretty big three-point shooting day for Princeton to win this game. So obviously that makes defending the three important. And then with Creighton and the three ball, Princeton defensively, I just told you because of you know how they're going to trap the post, they're going to pack the paint because if sometimes when their lack of size or athleticism, especially when they play small ball, they're really going to sell out to protect the lane and double the post. That means there's going to be open three-point shots for Creighton. Can Creighton make the open threes like they did against Baylor? Big question. I think the three-point line is really important. In some ways, like if you could have me, if if you could say, all right, you, I am from the future. I am holding the final box score of the game of Creighton and Princeton. You only get to see one thing. What would it be? I would I would probably say, show me the three point numbers. And I feel like that w- I would be able to then tell you who won the game. Because if I'm looking and you know, and Princeton goes four for twenty, and Creighton goes you know nine for. 24 or something like that. I'm like, ah, Creighton won. Just because of how, how both teams are built. Next key, point of emphasis, concern, whatever. Rebounding. You know, it's funny. You know, there's a lot of stereotyping going on, you know, with basketball, right? You see Ivy League, you know, handful of white dudes out there and you know, all that stuff. They're not... They're not guys, not a lot of dudes playing above the rim and all that stuff. You're probably like, ah, this isn't a... They're probably not a very good rebounding team, huh? They probably get punked on the glass. Actually, quite the opposite. Princeton's an excellent rebounding team. Princeton is fourth nationally in defensive rebounds per game. Fourth. They're ninth nationally, ninth in the country in total rebounds per game. They're plus 6.6 rebounding margin for the season, which is 11th in the country. So this is a really good rebounding team. Now the good thing is they're not a that they, they don't necessarily pound you on the offensive glass, 
But nevertheless, I do think rebounding is important in this game because that's one of Princeton's strengths. Creighton's got to be ready to battle on the glass. Creighton's been pretty good on the in the rebounding department all season. Kalkbrenner's good. Baylor Shireman's really good defensive rebounder. But the rebounding, rebounding something to keep an eye on. Next kind of point of emphasis is, is to me, communication on defense is going to be really important. Talk on defense. Like I told you, Princeton, they run some of that old school Princeton type actions. And in my experience in guarding Princeton offenses, communication and talk is huge with defending it. Because a lot of Princeton action is two offensive players kind of coming together, maybe around the elbow, and then they're, one guy is, is making, they're kind of making reads with each other. One guy might all of a sudden back cut and the other one pops. One guy all of a sudden back screen and, and, and this guy then slips to the basket. Like it's a lot of reading and reacting. And so because of that, you got to have excellent talk as you're handling these things quickly. Where you got to communicate early, discuss what's happening. I got him if he cuts. I got him if he cuts. Here he comes, Shireman. Here he comes. Here he comes. Back pick. Get over it. You know, those kinds, like you got to talk early. So I think communication, and then also think being physical and staying in between your man and the basket is important too. You don't want to get too extended away from your man because. If you stay in between the bat, the the rim, the basket, and your man, anytime they backdoor cut, they're backdoor cutting right into your chest. So they're not. So it's not going to be open. So you don't want to get too extent. Now you don't necessarily. I'm not saying you hug your man the whole time, because then the floor gets too spread, and that's where a woma starts driving and all that stuff. But when when these actions come you got to i think get physical get in between your man and the basket any backdoor cuts right through your chest it's not going anywhere talk physicality defensive positioning going to be really important and then the last thing before i get to some personnel stuff is is handling princeton's ball screen switches princeton's going to switch some if not all on ball screens Got to be able to handle that. Attack mismatches. The ball can't get stagnant. And again, what Princeton likes to do is they switch the ball screens, and then when you think you got a mismatch in the post and you throw it into the post, they come and trap it. So you got to be ready for that post up. If it happens, you got to be ready to trap or ready to handle the trap. But and this is the other thing that's good about a, a week to prepare. I think Creighton's going to have a lot of uh, switching ball screen beaters or switching ball screen counters, if you will, slips. Um, quick actions, getting Kalkbrenner on the move. But you got to be able to handle it. You know, the, a team that switches a lot of ball screens can make a lot of your offensive stuff get stale if, you're not, if you don't really handle it well. But you got to be able to punish, punish a team for switching, right? Like, you know, little, little 6'3 guard gets switched on to Kalkbrenner. You got to find a way to, to, you know, take his ass into the block and rock the rim on his ass, you know? So there you go. That was like eight or nine concerns, questions, thoughts, points of emphasis, keys, whatever. For personnel, let me run through a little bit of Princeton's real quick, and then I'll get to some Creighton thought, some some Creighton personnel thoughts, just so you guys can have something to kind of watch for with Princeton. Like I told you, Awoma, he's number twenty, number twenty 
We've talked about him a ton. He's their best player, four man, leads them in assists, was the Ivy League player of the year last year. Uh, I think he's, I'd be real curious to see who Creighton matches up, matches him up with. Uh, really, really good player. Ryan Langboard, he's number three. He averages 12 points per game. He is a shooter. He's made 62 threes on the year. He made five threes against Missouri. 62% of his shots are threes. But Langboard, you know, he's, a, he's kind of a strong senior guard that can shoot it. Matt Alaco, he's second team all Ivy League. Number 14, very capable shooter, 10 points per game. Caden Pierce, Caden Pierce was the Ivy League Rookie of the Year. He's number 12, 6'6 freshman. His brother, Alec Pierce, plays for the Indianapolis Colts. He was the second-round pick in 2022, and his dad played at Northwestern. His brother played at William & Mary and then uh, went to North Carolina for a a year to play basketball. So he's he's an athletic guy. I think he's their best. Him and Awoma are by far their best athletes. But he's a freshman. But he is physical, man. He leads the team in rebounding, and he's really good on the offensive glass. He's got 68 offensive rebounds on the season. He's a capable but not great three-point shooter. Only shoots it at about 32%. He has made 38 on the year. But you know he's an athletic rebounding dude. Blake Peters, number 24, shooter. 92% of his shots are threes. 92 even Ethan Roggy and Jimmy Motes are like, damn, dog, varied up a little bit. But, but 130 of his 141 field goal attempts are threes. 130 out of 141. So you know what he's doing. But he can shoot it, man. 40% three-point shooter. Zach Martini, he's kind of their small ball tip-off guy. Number 54. He comes in and he is he's a big guy. He's 6'7" kind of a big stocky guy, but he's a shooter. Almost 80% of his shots are threes. Shoots at about 34%. And then finally, Keyshawn Kelman, their true five-man, number 32, hasn't attempted a three all year. He starts for Princeton, but he'll come out when they play their small ball lineups. Again, I hope for Creighton's sake that he plays a lot because I think it's a good thing for Kalkbrenner. More conventional lineup for Creighton to guard and attack. So that's kind of their, their important guys with their personnel. For, for Creighton, hammering through a couple of Creighton's guys, you know, like I told you, a big game for Arthur Kaluma. I think he's maybe the most important player for this game because of, of I think he's probably the, less, the, the best candidate to guard Awoma. And then how he's maybe getting defended. He's, he, Kaluma needs to have a good game. Kalkbrenner, you got to find a way to stay on the floor and make an impact in this game. It's a weird one for him, potentially. It'll be interesting to see how he fares when Princeton plays small. But Kalkbrenner can also the other because we're only talking about the bad things about when when Princeton goes small when when the, the reality is also when then when Kalkbrenner's on offense Kalkbrenner in theory if 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 Creighton attacks it right can punish Princeton for playing small and pound it inside now the hard part is they're really sagging in and they're coming on traps quickly so for Kalkbrenner and this is usually how he's built like it, for him to score it's got to be quick moves you know like catch turn. Like, he's not going to have time to catch and gather and, and then take a peck dribble. And by then, his ass is getting trapped. But he's got to find a way to be impactful. Make Princeton pay for playing small. Make him pay for switching. Make him pay for trapping the post. And, of course, do what he does defensively in terms of protecting the rim. 
Nemhard, obviously coming off the game of his, his career against Baylor, but he's got to control the pace, push the pace. Attack switches when it works. Keep the ball moving. Make sure you know his team doesn't get stagnant. Do what do what he did. You know, take what the defense gives him. They went under a handful of ball screens. He lined it up and knocked it down. They opened up some against Baylor. I'm talking about when they open up. You know, driving lanes hit him with confidence, right? But he's also defensively got to be ready to defend the three point line and handle some of those Princeton actions, like I've, I, I was telling you about. Trey Alexander, very similar kind of things for that that I just laid out with Nemhart. Attack switches when you get certain. You know, slow-footed guys defensively on to Trey Alexander, attack, spread it out, bust that ass, take him to take him to school. Also, Alexander's got to be able to make open threes off of post double teams, and then defend the three-point line and be engaged on defense, guarding their actions. Don't fall asleep, get backdoor cut. Don't fall asleep and step off a guy that you know all he does is shoot threes. Baylor Shireman, I think it's a big game rebounding for him. He's been really consistent in that regard. I also think Shireman's going to have to be able to knock down some threes off post-double teams as well. Got to be able to shoot some threes. Maybe Shireman's a decent candidate to guard a Woma as well. I don't know. But Shireman, I just got to be able to knock down some triples offensively. And then Farabello, need another Baylor-type game for, for Farabello. Guard the Princeton offense stuff and then... You know, be ready to 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 catch and shoot offensively because I think those guys, I think Farabello, Shireman, Alexander, those guys, I think they're gonna get open shots because, like w- with Baylor, they were selling out on, you know, sinking in on the roll, really trying to take away Kalkbrenner and it opened up the three point line and Creighton knocked it down. Similar kind of thing with Princeton. I think they're gonna really sell out to pack the lane, pack the, you know, protect it, trap the post. You leave the three point line open when that happens. So Shireman, Farabello, Trey Alexander, they're Creighton's main three-point shooters. Those guys be ready to knock down some shots. Same with Nemhard and Kaluma. So there you go. Probably was a lot to digest that I just threw out you, but it's it's kind of a complicated game to a certain degree. Like when I did my Baylor and NC State previews, you know, it was real it was real simple. It's like, okay, Baylor's got good guards. Slow them down, keep them off the three-point line, you win the game. There you go. Thanks for listening to the Nick Bob Podcast. Like, that's it's not what this game's totally about. Certainly guarding the three is important, but there's a lot of lot more subtleties and variables and moving parts with this game. Three-point line's important. Handling double teams for Creighton is big. How Creighton handles and matches up defensively and deals with small ball lineups for Princeton is, is something to watch for. And I also think Creighton needs a, a fast start in this game. You know, ball tipped out, punch Princeton in the mouth right away. Because the longer we I was we talked about this, the longer you let a 15 seed hang around, the more the pressure mounts on you. We saw that in the first weekend. Arizona let Princeton hang around and Arizona proceeded to melt. I I know what that's like firsthand. My sophomore year at Kansas, we got upset by Bucknell in the first round of the tournament. I know what that is like, where each each media timeout in that second half, and they're still and and you haven't put them away, you haven't built a lead. They're hanging around, they're hanging around, they're hanging around. Let me tell you, the the, the tense nerves, uneasiness, you can feel it mounting. 
where you're like, oh shit, this isn't happening. This isn't happening, is it? Jesus, we're only up three. Jesus, it's tight. Oh, oh, it's only, oh my God, there's six minutes left and it's a two-point game. Right? Well, you saw it in the Purdue FDU, Fairleigh Dickinson game. You let FDU hang around and all of a sudden Purdue is peeing their pants. And the other thing is everyone in that arena, the KFC Yum Center here in Louisville, everyone in that arena that isn't a Creighton fan is going to be rooting for Princeton. Because everybody wants to see the underdog win. And then naturally, if you're, you know, you're San Diego State or Bama or whoever, like you want, you'd rather see Princeton than Creighton, obviously. Because of you know, the seating. But I think a fast start is really important for Creighton. Try and just not not allow for that longer you let a team hang around type thing. So there you go. I think Creighton wins this game. The spread, what is it, about 10? I think Creighton wins this game. I think they're the better team. But to me, there's no doubt about it. As long as there is anything crazy from the three-point line, like, you know, Creighton goes two for 19 and Princeton goes, you know, 12 for 28 or 13 for whatever, makes 13 threes. I think Creighton's going to be locked in and ready to rock. I mean, it's a sweet 16 for crying out loud. I don't know why they wouldn't be. But again, Princeton's a unique and different team. They're going to present some challenges for Creighton. But I think Creighton will be up to the challenge with having a week to prepare. And they're going to be able to have counters for the small ball. They'll have counters for trapping the post. They'll figure out and have ideas for how they're matching up with, with Awoma and small ball and all that stuff. So I think Creighton's going to win. And then they're going to head to the Elite Eight. And at that point, oh boy. But you got to take care of business first. Princeton Friday night. Hope this was a good primer for all of you with this game. Should be a fun one. I'll be on the call with John Bishop, 1620 The Zone. Can't wait. Should be a really, really fun game and potentially a, a fun weekend for Creighton here in Louisville. Thanks for listening. A Heard at Sports Network production.